Hello, everyone, and welcome to tonight's jam-packed edition of the Draft Countdown Podcast. I'm your co-host, Brian Bosarge, and as always, my co-host, Shane P. Hallam. Shane, we are 35 days, 22 hours, 59 minutes, and 50 seconds away from the 2022 NFL Draft. And the NFL's been heating up, tons of trades, tons of free agency movement, and the NFL draft scene, not not bad itself. Some pro days, some quarterbacks working out. Uh, we, yeah, we got a lot to talk about today because a lot's happened uh, since we last recorded last week. <laughs> a lot has happened. And the biggest news of the week, uh, we're just going to get right into it. We're not going to dilly-dally around here. We're going to bring in our guest uh, right out of the chute here Uh he is the editor of SI Browns, and he is my old uh, senior bowl running mate here. Haven't seen him in a couple of years, but uh, Pete, man, uh, it's, it's been a week for you, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, Mitchell Trubisky to the Steelers, huge news. I mean, that's, <laughs> you know, has anything else happened since then? Because there, 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 have, there have been <laughs> some things uh, that, that have gone down for sure. Um, Pete, man, I, I, I know, and we don't have to get into it. I know you're not a, a huge fan of the move, but we got to talk about it. Uh, after what seemingly being out of it, the Browns acquire Deshaun Watson uh, in a trade from the Houston Texans, and they also get a 2024 sixth round pick. You know, great, great uh, little ad there. But uh, Houston gets the Cleveland Browns three first round picks the next three years 22, 23, and 24. They get a 2022 fourth. Pick 107, they get a 23-third and a 24-fourth. Pete, uh, just overall your immediate thoughts of the deal and uh, where you're at now as a Browns fan and writer. Well, I mean, the Browns made it clear that they weren't settling at quarterback. I mean, that that's that's been the biggest takeaways. When they made this move, they were saying, we're getting an elite quarterback. We're, that's it. I mean, so – they were willing to take everything that came with Deshaun Watson, as were apparently 14 teams in total. Um, and they, they laid it all out there. I mean, they gave up a ton. I, you know, the original reporting, the deal is a little sweeter than, uh, than the, the actual terms were when they, they only gave up one pick this year. Um, but they didn't give up any players. And that was a surprise to me. I, I, I think fans were worried. And, I, and honestly, I think it would have been met more critically if the Browns were to have sent, say, JOK with this move. Um, I think the fact that they didn't give up any players that like fans were really excited about made it a little less – it took a little sting away from it. You know, they're picks. Picks, picks aren't guys you rooted for, um, considering the circumstances. But the, look, the Browns are, are saying, even if they are wary of the 2022 season just by virtue of the fact that uh, Deshaun Watson may get suspended um, at some point, presumably after um, court cases are resolved. Um, they expect to win a Super Bowl in that, you know, within this five year window. And anything short of that is going to be a failure. I mean, they may ultimately extend Watson, um, they may ultimately keep him longer. But right now, the two guys that they have under contract for five years are uh, Deshaun Watson and Miles Garrett. So that is your window. That is what you were working with. And they have, you know, they're not going, they're not pushing all their chips and they are not following the route of the chargers or the bills right now where they have rookie contracts for their quarterbacks and they're going, we're taking advantage of this while we can. 
the Browns understand what Watson is. He's not a, on a rookie deal. So they're going to play this to give themselves what they hope are five great shots at a title. So let me ask you about the other quarterback in the room, essentially. What's going to happen with Baker Mayfield at this point? Where are they kind of at? Um, as we see some other teams make quarterback moves and trades, the pool of potential teams that might want him are dwindling. What do you see being the next step for him? Is is Do you think he'll get traded? Do you think he'll get cut? Do you think somehow he's going to stick on this team? What's, what's going to happen with Baker? The only scenario that will not happen is him getting cut because they'd have to eat $18.8 million. And that is a huge part of what this team wants to do. As far as I can tell, the Browns are going to take potentially the money they owe him if they can get out from under it. And then 9.5 million, they're going to get back from Austin Hooper in June and potentially roll that money over into next year to give them more flexibility with what they want to do. Um, so as a result, the Browns are, I, I imagine are working on a budget with Baker Mayfield's money accounted for it. So they are free to do whatever they want. So as a result, they're giving themselves sort of a, a longer timeline if they want it. So what you have right now is essentially the Amari Cooper situation, um, but with more, you know, ugliness to it in terms of this divorce situation. Uh, the Browns got Amari Cooper for a fifth round pick um, because everybody knew Dallas had to get rid of him. Um, Amari Cooper is certainly better than a fifth round pick right now, but he makes $20 million and the Cowboys made it very clear that they could not move him and were almost at the point where they were going to have to cut him. So, because of the amount of teams that have sort of gathered up quarterbacks, um, the Browns are sort of in this leverage play. Now, the team that makes the most sense for Baker Mayfield, far and away the Seattle Seahawks. Um, the Seahawks loved Baker Mayfield in 2018 um, when he was coming out of the draft. He, you know, for all the things people want to say about him, he is really talented and, he, and, and his sort of emotional uh, makeup and his mindset are like a perfect fit for Pete Carroll. If you think about it, like he's had a lot of success with those fiery types in his career. Um, the other team that might make sense is Detroit because why the hell not? You know, you don't have much going on in Detroit and you know, it's not Jared Goff. So do you take a shot and sort of say, Hey, we're going to see if we can get something going with Baker Mayfield and see if he can't um, get us a little something. The other part team that, and I, and I have nothing to base this on, but is interesting to me, all of a sudden is the Miami Dolphins. I don't know if you can seriously tell me you're going to go in with Tua Tagovailoa uh, with those weapons. Um, whatever you want to say about Baker Mayfield, he is certainly better than Tua. Um, and you've got a bunch of guys with a ton of speed, um, and Baker Mayfield can throw the hell out of the ball. Whatever you want to say about him, he can throw it. Um, he can throw it really far. He threw a 75-yard pass. Um, in a game, you know, he can do all that stuff. So I'm curious if that becomes a little sneaky element to this. I, I, I'm not familiar with Tua's contract, but that's an interesting sort of scenario to me if, because, look, the, the Miami Dolphins have said the same thing. We need to win. Uh, we are trying to compete for the playoffs. Um, maybe they believe Tua can do it. Uh, I don't. So that's another team I sort of look at as a possibility. But the whole thing um, could – Maybe point go towards the draft, but I would not be shocked in the least if we are dealing with this in August and it becomes a situation where somebody gets hurt. Um, somebody, you know, just figures out that they missed on the draft and couldn't get the guy they wanted. They're suddenly going, hey, we can give up practically nothing for a guy who can play. 
um, at some level, can be a competent NFL quarterback. Um, the, the real question for some of these teams like the Seahawks is how invested are they in winning? Um, that's my question. If you're starting Drew Locke, you're telling me you're interested in the 2023 quarterback class, which is fine. You're allowed to do that. But that is what that says to me. Um, before we move off of Baker, uh, what about the talk today? You know, the chatter was basically maybe Baker ends up in a Brock Osweiler situation where the basically they have the, the team that acquires him basically has to get bribed to do it kind of like the Browns did with Osweiler and getting a, basically a second round pick for taking on the contract. Is that something that you could see the Browns basically having to do is pay somebody in, in, in a draft pick to take Baker Mayfield? I doubt it. I mean, again, he's not a bad player. Brock Osweiler's contract was ridiculous. It's $18.8 million. It's not, you know, the Browns are going to pay Deshaun Watson $54 million next year. And I get it. 18.8 is a big number. If you're, if you're talking about him as a backup or you're talking about him in a competition with another guy with a big contract. But if you're, like I said, Seattle or some of the other other teams, or you're probably looking about at, at rolling over significant cap space or whatever, it becomes a shot. Uh, so I think ultimately, even if they have to take a seventh rounder in two years, he's more valuable than than people want to give him credit for. And look, he's done enough damage to himself in this process, but it, it's it's that's certainly playing a role. But um, there's no question that some of this is just about leverage. They they you know, they have Deshaun Watson. Everybody knows what they're trying to do. It's not a surprise that they're trying to, you know, get rid of Baker Mayfield at this point. So I, I would be stunned if they had to give up anything to give give him away. I think what they will get is probably similar to that Cooper thing, where it'll be like a fifth-round pick or something. You know, something that's completely, you know, a throwaway for them, but the Browns would like to get something for him. So how, how does this all affect the draft for them? Obviously, they don't have that first-round pick anymore, but they still have some premium day-two picks where you can find a lot of gems in this class, and including two picks in the third round and a pick in the second round. Um, what, you know, what kind of players are they looking at? Where do you think this draft is going when they're pushing those chips now into the middle with uh, Deshaun Watson at quarterback? Well, I mean, a lot's going to depend on what they do the rest of the free agency. The Browns don't want to go in with needs. And right now, their defensive line is Miles Garrett and three guys named Fred. I mean, that's, they don't have anybody. Um, I would argue that they have the 32nd out of 32nd defensive tackle position in the NFL right now. Um, now, I, I fully expect they're going to sign guys. You know, they may bring back Jadavian Clowney. Maybe they get a guy like Hakeem Hicks. You know, there are guys out there. Certainly, they could do that. So in the, in the, in the scenario where they take care of their needs – the Browns talk in terms of investments. They talk in terms of opportunities. That is Andrew Barry's mantra. Uh, to this point, they draft young, and they draft premium positions, especially early. Now, they're not in the first round anymore, so unless they move up, maybe the, the premium position part of that isn't so much of a big deal. But at that point, it becomes, where is this draft strong? And especially at 44th pick, um, that is a sort of a, a wide-open question. You know, they, But to them, it's about – what is going to be the best football player, you know, over the life of this contract rather than what do I need to get right now? Which, you know, the thing that sort of jumps out at me um, with this whole Deshaun Watson thing is all of a sudden uh, the punt God jumps into the conversation for me um, in a way that he wouldn't have <laughs> before, because if for some reason he's sitting there in round four and you've got all these other players and you're just trying to get guys who are going to make the team, 
Matt Ariz is going to make the team and he can potentially, you know, add a win every year. So, and, and that's in part because I don't think this draft class is particularly good. There are certainly positions that are, are, are very strong, but overall, once I get into that day three stuff, there are guys that, uh, people talk about going in the seventh round that I think are as good as guys going in the fourth round. And that's not, you know, that's not an endorsement. That's just sort of this draft is not great. And, and we're in this position where we're, we're now trying to sell people on super athletic 24 year old guys like, you know, Hayden Hurst clone, which was a super smart investment out of South Carolina. You will not talk bad about the university of South Carolina on this podcast. You've been well, warned. Well, I mean, that's what he is. The kid from Virginia is essentially he's Hayden Hurst. As long as he doesn't go in the first round, I guess we'll be okay. But uh, so it's, it's I've been uh, on this podcast since what Shane about, I don't know, late September, early October, praising Matt Ariza here. Uh, pick 99. Is that too rich? Um. It, uh, look, if, if we go by history, Shane Leckler and Brian Anger, third round picks. I mean, clearly there is a, a, a precedent for that. And Shane Leckler was worth it. And Brian Anger wasn't. Um, I, I would not be surprised at all if a team takes him in the third round. I don't know if that'll be the Browns simply because they don't have as many picks. But again, if you're talking about this from an organization that is looking at themselves as what can we do in the next you know, four or five years, um, a, a great punter on a rookie deal would take care of a lot of issues. And this is for a team that was, you know, near the bottom of the league the past two years in special teams. So, I mean, I, there's so much talk about how bad the offense was and all the injuries and Baker Mayfield struggles and all that. Their special teams were awful. And that's part of why I could see them doing this is because they went from Jamie Gillen, who, you know, dropped a snap and is now in his third team at about, 20 minutes to potentially getting a guy who, who changes the position. And I think the NFL, and the other reason I think Ariza could go so early is because the NFL in general has forgotten how to punt. I've never seen such bad punting in my life um, at, at the professional level. So, you know, whether it's, and, and I'm embarrassed to know this many punters, whether that is Matt Ariza, you know, like third, fourth round, or you're getting into Ryan Stonehouse or, or stout, you know, later then you know i could absolutely see the browns take a punter and a kicker in this class so i i'm a fantasy guy and um deshaun watson trade definitely makes the cleveland browns offense a lot more interesting fantasy football wise uh along with the amari cooper trade do you see them investing more in the receiver position whether it be in free agency or through the draft or where do you think that could fall you know, with Donovan Peoples-Jones essentially being the number two and, and Jakeem Grant getting signed as, as a return guy. Um, did you see a lot more investment at the receiver position still to go? Well, it, it's the same deal with – they haven't done anything officially since the Watson thing. And, and I think they are talking to people. They're putting out – they've put out offers to a couple guys and they're sort of waiting to hear back. I would assume wide receivers in that. Um, they were allegedly uh, – at least considering making a move for Robert Woods um, from the Rams who, who ended up going to the Titans for practically nothing. There has been rumors that they're talking to, to Jarvis Landry again, um, as well as the, the guy who has been attached to 
Deshaun Watson the whole time, which is Will Fuller. Um, so those are guys that you could talk yourself into. I, I know Odell Beckham keeps getting linked. LeBron's, I think it's a leverage play. Um, Odell Beckham does not take less money. Um, I mean, this man wore a watch during a game because he wanted the endorsement money. Uh, I can't imagine him taking less money um, to come back to a place he didn't want to be in the first place, and it went deeper than Baker Mayfield. We'll, we'll see. But I, I do think if the opportunity presents itself, they're absolutely going to do it. Um, I, I personally, you know, I, I, I doubt that anything's going to happen, but I, I personally am interested in what the Browns might do trade-wise. Um, the guy who stands out to me on that front is Tyler Lockett. Again, if the Seahawks are content to lose, Tyler Lockett is going to be 30, and he's still really good. Um, you know, could they cash him in for like a, a third round pick or Baker Mayfield or Baker Mayfield, in the, you know, in, in something? Um, I don't know, but he's interesting. Um, LaVisca Chenault from Jacksonville is interesting uh, just because Kevin Stefanski runs a similar offense to what, you know, 49ers do. He's a Shanahan disciple and, and Kubiak disciple and all those guys. And you saw what they could do with a Debo Samuel type player. LaVisca Chenault is in that realm, 6'2", 220, you know, sort of that almost like an H-back, but not quite sort of interesting route. And then, you know, do they make, might they make a play for Devontae Parker? Is he an odd man out in Miami now that they've got added uh, Tyreek Hill to, to, to that mix? Um, so I, 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 let's put it this way. They'd be foolish not to keep looking. Uh, Amari Cooper is a very nice player. Donovan Peoples-Jones, I think, is a very nice player. And I think the Browns, if they're honest, would say, we hope he's going to be the number two receiver. I don't think they're going to go, we're giving him the job. I think they're going to try to improve that. If, for no other reason, they've got Sean Watson. They're going to, they're going to do everything to make him better. Um, so they certainly should be looking if, if, if at the very least. Let's say it comes to draft picks. Who are some receivers that you like that fit what, what could be the Browns' number two wide receiver as a rookie? Who are some guys that you like maybe at 44, maybe at 78, you know, somewhere like that, a guy that you think can come in an instant impact um, on the Browns' offense? Yeah, I like Sky Moore from Western Michigan. I mean, that's not, you know, controversial. I think it, he, he seems to be one of the most beloved prospects in this draft class. That, you know, that second round, that guy who's in the top of the second round receivers is always a popular guy. Um, maybe he's less popular if, if he goes in that late first. Um, I'm, I, I could see an appeal for George Pickens. He scares the crap out of me between the injury and just the fact he hasn't played all that much. But the kid I really like, um, and it's more in that 78, maybe even 99 range, because I think he's a guy that teams are going to sleep on is Khalil Shakir from Boise State. I, I adore the way he plays the game. And, you know, he is a has a athletic profile that is similar to Stefan Diggs. And he has an attitude that's similar to Jarvis Landry. And to the, that combination of being a super competitor, um, I think he's a guy who can potentially make an, a, a contribution early. Um, but again, it comes down to what do the Browns want? They've yet to take anybody who's older than 22. Um, maybe that changes, um, one, because of the pandemic draft class, and two, because of where they are. But I suspect they're going to stay within those guidelines. So I don't suspect the Browns are going to be in on Christian Watson, for example. Um but there are certainly other guys in that that mix that could make sense. I mean, what happens if Drake London is sitting there at, at 44? Because nobody seems to have an idea of what he's going to do. If he, you know, he, he's going to 
tested pro day um, on his pro day, his own uh, on April 5th. You know, I don't think anybody has um, dreams of him suddenly running a four or five coming off a broken ankle when that really wasn't who he was in the first place. So our team's going to sort of pass on him. Is he going to be sort of everybody's second choice until he, you know, falls down the board a little bit and then, and the Browns scoop him up. I mean, he's a guy that's interesting from that standpoint. Who had him going number four overall the other day? It was like, was that Kuiper? I can't remember, but it was one yeah, of the major places had Drake London going it's fourth. It's controversial. Overall. There are people. I, I think he's fantastic. I, I, you know, I understand the concerns, uh, and I and to me, don't, don't don't get me wrong. He makes me a little nervous, but if he can be, you know, just that big target who gets open and make plays, you know, just just move the ball down the field. He's tough to defend in that way. So, um, you know, he's interesting. How how do you think they're going to do this year? What what's kind of your prediction? Looking at what's happened so far, what the coaching staff's kind of doing. Obviously, we have a little bit of free agency in the draft to go. But if you had to kind of make a prediction now of with everything that's happened in the AFC, you know, if is this kind of a year of transition? Watson gets suspended, and they're kind of building for twenty three. Or do you see a legitimate contender here uh, with this roster right now? I think the Browns approach with this year and really any year, get in the tournament, get in the tournament and, and see what happens. And I think particularly because of the situation they're facing with Watson, you know, is, is he going to be out six games? That seems to be sort of the precedent. Or are they going to go more? Are they going to go eight? Are they going to go 10? You know, can Jacoby Brissett do enough to get you some wins? Because the AFC is a brutal conference. Um, and, you know, you look at a team like, you know, like to me, one of the worst, if you're the, from the Browns standpoint, or really any AFC standpoint, you're not happy to see Matt Ryan end up in Indianapolis. Not because you think they're going to win the Super Bowl, but they may take a spot in the tournament. And that's what it's about. You get seven of these now, which is more, uh, but the AFC is so good that the AFC West is, is loaded. If, if the, if we had polling like college, um, the entire AFC West would make the postseason as it is because of the way the game works, um, you know, two of those teams may be at home. So I think they are going to sort of be on the fringes. I think it's going to be more of a situation where it's like week 17 and they may need to win to get in. Maybe they need a little help. Um, I, I, I think they have to be sitting there going, you know, fingers crossed and like praying they get in the postseason because I think this situation looks worse if they don't. But that's sort of where I'm at. So that that could be ten and seven, nine and eight, just because of the circumstances where they maybe they get in that seventh seed, and then they're a really dangerous seventh seed just because they have everybody back. That you could very well see eleven and six be the number one seed in the AFC this year. Everybody's just it's going to be like one of those deals where everybody just beats each other up, and you know. One team just happens to have a tiebreaker over the other team, and that's how they get the you know the home field. Uh, Pete, man, thanks for coming on tonight and talking about uh, all this with us, and uh, you know, giving us your opinion on the Watson situation. And uh, like I said, I know it's I, I've known you long enough to know this this wasn't probably what you had in mind uh, for the way to go, but um, it is what it is. So you take it and hope for the best, right? Yeah. Look, I mean, uh, my job has never been more interesting. I'll say that my job has never been more interesting. So look, 
there, there are people who are super excited and I don't want to, you know, take that away from them. I, I just hope people who are, who are excited are also just honest to what's going on, which, you know, it's fine. Um, but look, the, the Browns have their shot to get a title. They've never won the Super Bowl. They have won a championship since 1964. They're going for it. Um, you can certainly see why that would be the case. But uh, yeah, we'll see. If, if it doesn't work, they're all getting fired. So we'll see. All right, man. Again, thanks for coming on. Maybe I'll see you for a pulled pork sandwich again and, uh, next February. Maybe, maybe we'll see you back down here again. Well, I hope it's still in Mobile. Don't 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 say stuff. <laughs> <laughs> hey, th- thanks a lot, man. Take it easy. Thanks, Pete. That was Pete Smith, uh, SI Browns, uh, breaking it all down for us. Their draft approach, the Deshaun Watson trade, which you know wasn't the only trade this week that we're going. And that's what's so crazy, Shane, is the fact that this wasn't even while this was the biggest trade, it wasn't near, you know, the only trade this week of, of, of substance. And so let's, uh, let's get right into it. Cause probably the second biggest trade of the week came today when the Kansas city chiefs uh, kind of reached a contract impasse with uh, Tyreek Hill. And they're like, you know what? Let's uh, let's let you find a trade partner. And Miami comes a calling. Kansas city will receive their 20, 20- 2022 first round pick, which came by the way of San Francisco in the draft day Trey Lance trade a year ago. Their second round pick, 50th overall, their fourth round pick, and a 2023 fourth and sixth round pick. And Miami extends Tyreek Hill four years, 120 million with 72.2 million guaranteed. Shane. Wow. It was on a, I didn't expect this until today when it started breaking. Um, the Chiefs kind of put themselves in a position with with Orlando Brown and uh, the Mahomes contract and some of the defensive stuff. They just didn't have the money to pay Tyreek Hill. And so um, I tweeted, this is like how I play Madden. Just if you're on the last year of your deal, instead of resigning you, I'll, I'll trade you and draft some rookies to replace you. It felt like that. Like, well, we can't pay this, so good luck. Uh, to one of the best receivers in the game. Um, I think it was a good haul for them in terms of picks. I mean, I think this is about as much you can ask for for a non-QB. I don't know if there's any other player in the NFL that you're going to get more than this from. Um, But ultimately, I think it really hurts that team. I think Miami is a crazy landing spot. Jalen Waddell is there. Uh, We have Mike McDaniel coming in uh, to – run you know that that zone scheme and that offense it's going to be really interesting to see how the miami dolphins compete and uh, if they can compete with the bills and the patriots i want to get back to kansas city uh in just a second but you mentioned miami tuatunga Bailoa, third year in the league now we've seen the two quarterbacks the other two quarterbacks that were drafted around him joe burrow just took his team to a super bowl justin herbert's one of the best considered probably a top six quarterback in the league now already. And then here's Tua, who has not had the success that the other two have had. So therefore, you know, all judgment is being against those other two quarterbacks. He really has no excuse now. Miami goes out and signs two running backs, Raheem Mostert and Chase Edmonds. You know, Jalen Waddell, 
Uh, Tyreek Hill and Cedric Wilson also is a receiver. You bring back Mike Gesicki. You just signed Teron Armstead to be your left tackle. You know, you've got other a couple of other solid offensive linemen. Maybe a little improvement could still be done there, but there's really no excuse for two and now, right? Well, I, I, you're right, and I think what this is, and I talk, I always talk about this. This is a brilliant move by the front office, by Chris Greer and by Mike McDaniel, right, to keep their jobs, because if things go well, hey, you know, we made the moves, right? If things don't go well, whose fault's it going to be? Probably not the coach, probably not the GM. It's going to be Tua's fault, right? And so, wow, hey, you know, we got to restart, right? So I I think that's kind of why this happened is, like you said, there's no excuses for Tua. Uh, If things don't go well, it's going to be on his back and their jobs are saved. And if things do go well, their jobs are saved anyway. It's like a win-win to give up these picks for this player, I, I think Tua gets a bit of a raw deal. I, I, I don't think he's an exceptional quarterback by any means, but I think the injuries and the Sean Watson stuff last year just kind of threw, I, I don't know how he even did what he did. I, I think this year he's going to do pretty well. He's maybe not put up a ton of numbers, but I think they're going to be close and compete in games. And I, I honestly, I think it's a good move for Miami. I think receiver still a premium position and I'm interested to see how this offense runs. Casey now has back-to-back picks in the first round. They have 29 and 30. You, maybe one of these picks is going to be a receiver. We'll see. Um, right now, their top three wide receivers are Juju Smith-Schuster, who they just signed the other day, Miko Hardman, and Josh Gordon listed at the top of the depth chart here. Now, there have been talks of – perhaps bringing in Marquez Valdez-Scantling as a potential signee in free agency as well. But, uh, I mean, they've got to bring uh, – with at some point in these first two rounds, right, they've got to bring in at least one. I, I would assume so. I, if, if we go through the first two rounds and they haven't taken one, I'm not going to be shocked. Um, but I think they're going to try for that. Andy Reid has hasn't really needed that elite receiver play when he's had success in Philadelphia before Terrell Owens, right? I mean, he had um, then those NFC Championship games. T.O. was only on one of those teams. Uh, James Thrash, Todd Pinkston, you know, th- those are the top receivers he had. Donovan McNabb had. So I, I think sometimes the system can overshadow that a little bit. They need a little bit more speed. That's why MVS might be a good pick, a uh, good pickup for them. You know, I, I don't think I don't think it has to happen. I think we're all going to mock a receiver to Kansas City. I will too, and they're just going to pass. Uh, yeah, right. The, the, you know, it's going to be one of those situations where it's like, oh, they have to do this. Like we felt about the Packers for how long, and they just don't. Yeah, it almost feels like it's destined to happen that way. We will get to that in just a second. Uh, (laughs) Quick fantasy uh, question for you, because leading up to my one and only fantasy draft last year, your advice to me was draft Travis Kelsey in round one. He went before I had a chance to pick. Um, How high is Travis Kelsey going to go in drafts this year now that he is literally target 1A? If, if nothing else happens, he's going to go into that that 
mid late first round mix probably uh, people are gonna be scared about the age like there's a cliff coming we saw a little bit of it last year that could be really bad if he's just not you know if age catches up with him though so i think it's a little r- more risky this year but the upside i mean he could have 100 catches this year and be be set so yeah it's gonna be gonna be crazy well like i said uh this wasn't the only receiver traded this week either. About less than 24 hours after we went off the air last week, Green Bay, uh, after re-signing Aaron Rodgers, traded his boy, uh, Devontae Adams, to the Raiders where he will be reunited with his collegiate quarterback, Derek Carr. Adams is traded from Green Bay to Las Vegas in exchange for the Raiders' 2022 first and second round picks. And then Devontae Adams gets a five-year, $141 million contract with roughly 60-plus million guaranteed. Um, I think, you know, with all the funny money out of it, it's more like a three-year, you know, contract. But uh, this was a move, uh, Adams. And, and you know, apparently they told Rodgers this was going to happen before he signed the contract, and he signed, re-signed anyway. So, Devontae Adams to the Raiders, uh, more shifting of great players from the NFC to the AFC, and Derek Carr, I mean, is, is I assume this is good for him and good for the Raiders, but uh, so break it down, break the trade down, Shane. I'm reunited with his college receiver. I mean, th- this is why both of these guys were drafted on – day two of the NFL draft because they were so good together at Fresno State. You you bring that chemistry back. I, I think I think it's a, a brilliant move to do that. Like get Derek Carr, the guy he has been most comfortable with, I think, ever throwing to probably in his life. Um I th- I think it's great. And first and second, it's not bad. You had to pay him a lot of money. Uh so that played into it. But uh the Packers wouldn't wouldn't be able to pay that. And and we knew the Raiders a receiver was a real possibility in the first round anyway. So you're essentially giving up a second upgrade from a rookie to Devontae Adams. I think that's a win. Um, does it make the Raiders a favorite in the AFC West? I don't know if it changes anything for them in the AFC West. Um, but I think it's a good move for them. And I think for the Packers, you kind of had to do it. Now they have a lot more capital to invest in these weapons, tight end, receiver. Um, you know, they, the, their tight end coach was at the Virginia Pro Day today uh, to see your boy Jelani Woods. So – I think there's a lot of possibilities out there for them. We are going to talk about him a little bit later. Uh, so let's let's run this back. We just talked about Kansas City and uh, drafting a receiver in the first round. Now Green Bay sits here at 28 and 22, 23. Uh, so they've got two, two cracks here, four cracks in the uh, first two rounds. Uh they tend to we always mock a receiver to them and they never do it. Is this the year that they uh they come through? Because their depth chart looks even worse than Kansas City's at receiver right now, where you have Randall Cobb. I know Aaron Rodgers loves him to death, but he's what 30, gotta be what 35, 34, 35. <laughs> um, um, yeah. Alan Lazard, not exactly breaking the land speed uh record here. And Jawan Winfrey? Oh, we could we could put Amari Rogers there, right? Okay, um, Amari Rogers last year at least. Okay. 
And Randall Cobb's only thirty-one. But don't 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 get him don't get him something too short there. You're not bad. Tire him over there. <laughs> it feels but, like he's been around that long though, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. He started. I think he started like super young. Um, that's bad. That's a bad bad trio. They have to. They have to do something. They have to draft the guy. Like there's there's no doubt in my mind. You almost have to at this point. Um, you sign Aaron Rodgers that big deal. Like get some receivers on some rookie deals. I think in my mock, I had them literally taking two receivers and a tight end in those first four picks and an offensive tackle. Like just 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 pile it on because uh, they need a right. They don't have a right tackle right now either. <laughs> so that, that's that's not great. Um, it, it's it's really rough if Aaron Rodgers signed that deal. And sorry, you know, good luck. You're gonna have to carry this on your back with a run game. I think I think AJ Dillon's gonna get a lot of play this year with with Aaron Jones. Who, uh, what of the receivers that could be there with, let's just, let's just say the Raiders pick, because they may have their choice of all of them at that point in time, maybe. Um, what receivers fit uh, what Green Bay wants to do that you would, that you would maximize uh, a potential with Rodgers? Uh, that's an interesting question. I because th- I think they need some speed, like you mentioned. They have a lot of those kind of inside guys, like Rogers, like Cobb. I mean, and Lazard playing that big slot. You almost need those outside receivers. I think Jameson Williams is probably a really good fit for them. I think that could be an ideal player, even more so than a Drake London or Traylon Burks. And I think the Ohio State duo would would obviously be a good fit on the outside too. Um, but I would almost feel like they prefer a Jamison Williams with a little more height and maybe, you know, as, as much, maybe even a little more speed than the Ohio state players. Uh, I could see that being the best fit. Fair enough. Um, so, yeah. Um, so Deshaun Watson gets traded to Cleveland. One of the potential suitors that, uh, had a chance to go there was or where he uh where a lot of people I believe thought he was going was Atlanta but he did not but Atlanta decided they're going to move on anyway so now they deal Matt Ryan to the Colts who dealt Carson Wentz to Washington uh a third round pick uh in 2022 goes back to Atlanta for Indianapolis and they get their quarterback, uh, Ryan, who hasn't completely went off the cliff just yet. Still got a little game left. Uh, but that leaves Atlanta kind of at a lurch now as to who their quarterback's going to be. And because right now, well, they signed Marcus Mariota to a two-year deal. So let me let me stress that. So. Uh, is it is quarter well first we'll get to Matt Ryan in Indianapolis how's how does that work for you with them and then uh Atlanta at pick eight is that a quarterback landing spot I I don't think it is um I, I don't think it's out of the realm possibility but maybe that's something we'll have to talk about on one of these shows just my feeling on this quarterback class seems to be much different than what ever the buzzes where these where these quarterbacks are going uh so I feel like eight's just too rich for any of these QBs, maybe they consider one, but like round two, they're in a really sweet spot for Desmond Ritter, Sam Howe types. So I think that's maybe more likely. Um, but just like Pittsburgh and Mitch Trubisky, I don't think Marcus Mariota, that we got more money necessarily precludes them from taking a quarterback early in this draft. 
Um, and I, I think the Colts, you know, they're they're kind of pushing the chips in to go for it this year. I, I, I don't know. It just feels right. Matt Ryan in Indianapolis just feels good. Maybe it's because I've had Phillip Rivers and Carson Wentz in these retreads for a couple years since Andrew Luck left, um, which uh, which Washington apparently tried to get Andrew Luck to come. Uh, before they traded for Carson Wentz, uh, which was just an interesting, you know, which which Colts quarterback you choose, the one that hasn't played in four years or. Um, but so I think Matt Ryan's a good fit. They're going to run the football. Jonathan Taylor's going to run that offense. And Matt Ryan is smart enough, I think, to control it. I, I think the Colts offense is better this year than it was last year, personally. Darius Leonard tweeted out uh, after Wentz was traded that this is his fifth year at Indianapolis and Matt Ryan will now be his fifth different starting quarterback he's he's played with. Not a lot of stability there uh, in Indy. Uh, last quarterback talk of the day was the other loser in the uh, Deshaun Watson sweepstakes, the New Orleans Saints. And they basically run it back, bring Jameis back on a two-year, $28 million deal. Saints were actually doing fairly you know they were leading the division uh when Winston went down last year um is this the right move for the Saints in this situation Absolutely remember them week 1 just obliterating the Packers when we were like what's happening and then it just it all changed right from there uh, that that game is still wild I think it's a great move I James Winston's not perfect like Marcus Mariota like some of these other quarterbacks like Mitch Trubisky he's not perfect but he can win you NFL games. He can throw to Michael Thomas, who should be back and healthy. He can throw to Alvin Kamara. He could take some shots. It's just going to be the same offense. I think it's the best move they could have made. He's better than Taysom Hill. He's better than Trevor Simeon. He's better than anything else they rolled out there last year. Like I, I think Jameis Winston still can play. And uh, I think the Saints have a, a roster that can be competitive with him at quarterback, especially in the NFC now. There's not a whole lot of competition there. There's no reason the Saints can't make the playoffs. I mean, the Saints could very easily finish second in their division and be the fifth seed in the NFC. I don't – I mean, because <laughs> I don't yeah. know – I don't know that there's seven playoff-worthy teams in the NFC, to be honest. I mean, let's just – let's let the AFC have like ten spots and give them four and we'll just – we'll be okay. Let's call it let's, – let's just do that this year. Um but yeah, I, I I never thought that they would be into Baker Mayfield either as a potential trade uh, partner. So I I feel like this was their best option. Um, now it is only a two year deal, so I have to I brought it up with Atlanta, but they're picking ten spots later. Is eighteen the sweet spot for you? to pick one of these quarterbacks maybe to go to New Orleans? Uh, I think in my last mock I had Kenny Pickett going there. I think if for whatever reason no quarterback's been taken, I think the Saints will pull that trigger. They seem less interested than a Carolina or Atlanta even. Um, but I, I do think they're going to consider that. Like James Winston's not the future. I think that is a sweet spot. Worst case, these quarterbacks start falling on draft day. We're in a panic. When's somebody going to take a quarterback? You know, if the Saints get on the clock, I, I feel pretty confident they would grab it. So who's going to be the John Gruden on the uh, draft coverage uh, this year that's going to be 
screaming, well, we got to draft this guy. Why is he still on this board? Uh, a la when uh, Johnny Manziel was tumbling. <laughs> who's gonna who's gonna be the guy shepherding the quarterbacks on the on the stage this year oh my gosh yeah I, I don't know i don't know that's 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 always wild the the nfl will cry i think you know if these quarterbacks f- fall past 10 because that does not make for a fun draft night to, when people are watching edge rushers and offensive tackles go off the board well, you know what, Shane, the good news is for uh, people that don't want to hear all that crying and everything on their television, they can always just mute the TV and listen to our live stream that we're going to have all three days of the 2022 NFL draft, starting about 30 minutes prior to uh, the seven or uh, eight Eastern opening. We'll probably be about 7.30 Eastern. Uh, we're going to go live on night one. And get you get the stage set for everybody. So uh, go ahead and punch that in your calendars, everybody. Uh, draft countdown live draft coverage here on the YouTube channel. Yeah, good plug. So uh, pro days. We've had some heavy hitters here in the last couple of days, Shane. Uh, your boys, Ohio State, uh, out there today. Um, I think Southern Cal was out there today. Uh, Matt Corral out there today throwing the ball around. So uh, we've had some big pro days, but we've got to talk, first of all, about – I feel like we've talked about the tight end class a lot here in the last month. But uh, a guy who we both had tight end one for large portions of this process, he ain't tight end one no more. He might be tight end one-one. At this point, uh, Texas A&M's Jalen Weidermeyer. Let me pull it up here, Shane, and just read to anybody who may not have heard this abysmal pro day. Weidermeyer at 6'3", almost 6'4", 255, runs the 40 in 5'02". That's unofficial, but probably not going to get any much better than that. Uh, 1.76, 10-yard split. He didn't do any of the shuttles, uh, but his broad jump 901, 25 percentile. And then let's talk about this vertical, Shane, 25 and a half inches. That is 0.31 vertical percentage uh, all time since 1987. Uh, Jalen Watermar, a 1.06 Raz. Uh, not great. No, I, I, I'm – floored like you know i i knew my expectations maybe were a little high for him i didn't think he was gonna be super fast but that, i mean 502 is ridiculously bad i don't think he's that slow on film like i, I don't think he's that bad it wasn't a great year for him but his first two years were so good yeah he's gonna be lucky to get drafted i still think sixth seventh round a team will take a shot on him for that production and for you know playing as well as he did early in his career uh, but there were rumors that maybe a lot of this is due to immaturity, you know, lack of a work ethic, that he basically, you know, wasn't in shape. So that's not good. But at the same time, it's like, well, maybe this isn't actually his athleticism. And if you can somehow bring him in seventh round pick, do or die, like maybe you can turn that mindset around and get something out of him, I think is possible. No, oh, it was bad. Now, 
you mentioned how his testing, it just you didn't see that on tape, and you didn't. I remember a couple of seasons ago against South Carolina, and I thought this guy was all world. I mean, he looked outstanding uh, in that game that I saw. Uh, but a guy who you look at on tape and you definitely don't see the athleticism here uh, that he showed his pro day, and I believe you're going – you've got a pro day recap up tomorrow, and I have a feeling you're going to mention Mr. Charlie Kohler from Iowa State. Kolar, Iowa State, 6'6", 252, Shane, 16210 split, 46740, vertical of 35 and a half inches, broad jump 10 feet, shuttle three cone, 698, a 976 Raz, 97 percentile athlete, Charlie Kolar. Didn't see that coming. I, I did not see that coming. I mean, it's another situation like Jelani Woods at Oklahoma State or like um, Daniel Bellinger, right, is the guy that's like, man, they used him as a blocking tight end. I mean, Charlie Kohler, maybe Brock Purdy was just that bad that he was th- – I think someone tweeted that at me. Like, Brock Purdy was just that bad. Like, he's just tossing out balls. Charlie Kohler can catch it and fall down because he has to reach for these things. But especially this year, they, they use them as a blocker just so much. And in the red zone, you know, he played, but um, it's just surprising. I, I love this, see this upside. He was a player I liked. If you go back to like the beginning of our podcast, I think he was in my top five tight ends. We did that, that show. And I was like, and it, it just doesn't feel good. Um, and now this may, hey, maybe there's upside here. I think he's going to reenter that top five tight ends for me um, pretty soon. And we've talked about Jelani Woods earlier. Uh, Pete basically called him Hayden Hurst because of his age. Um, he is he is 24, or will be 24 during the season. Um, transfer from Oklahoma State to Virginia. But once he, if these times become official, uh, he will be the most eth- athletic tight end to enter the NFL draft since 1987. Uh, passing Anthony Becht in 2000. Uh, Woods at 6'7", 253, ran the this, his numbers from the combine, which are official, 157-10 split, 4'6", At his pro day today, he uh, verticals 37 and a half inches, a 10'9 broad jump. I mean, these are in 98 percentile jumps here, or the vertical was 95. Uh, and his shuttle, which he didn't do uh, – or did he do the three cone? Uh, I think it was sub seven on the three cone, like something like six nine one, and his shuttle four point two, which is in the ninetieth percentile. So, the most athletic tight end. Uh, I don't want to pat the old back here, Shane, but I feel like I've been on Johnny Woods here for a little while. So that felt good today to see that. Um, but again, like I said, I, I think he's definitely going to go. I mean, he may go as high as second round now, late second round. Uh, I mean, I would love for the Bengals to target him at 63, uh, maybe, um, if he's there. Uh, definitely, I think he's going on day two for sure. And I think we 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 talked off air. He may be the first drafted player that played in the Shrine game, or Shrine Bowl this year. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Johnny Woods. I think he's got to be like you have been on him. A, I'll, I'll pat you on the back too because I feel like from day one you've been talking Jelani Woods. And I'm like, yeah, you know, he's big, uh, but I did not see this. 
coming. Uh, I mean, the tape's inconsistent, but it's consistent enough just how he's been used through his career. I kind of feel like he's got to be tight end two. I mean, Trey McBride now settles in tight end one. I feel like Jelani Woods, you know, with some of the other tight ends not working out or faltering a little bit, the upside's just way too big. Um, so I, I'll be surprised if he falls to day three. Yeah, I think late round two or into round three, very possible for him. One of those tight ends, uh, not was wasn't near Weidermeyer bad, but uh, I say likely uh, Coastal Carolina was my tight end one uh, prior to his pro day, but only tested in the average range. So I want to say he was like in uh, like a five three Raz or something like that. So it wasn't wasn't uh, great there. Um, who is a like, have you seen any like thing come across you this week? Maybe a player that you didn't even really have on your board that did you seen a pro day or whatever that's kind of jumped out to you this week? Um, I did have one that'll be in my article tomorrow, and not to keep talking about tight ends, but it's another tight end. Okay, we don't have to spoil. Everybody, y'all read that tomorrow. Oh, okay, uh, sure. Yeah, well, no, yeah, I mean, I, I'm fine. I'm fine spoiling it too. Okay, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. So it's uh, Andrew Ogletree from Youngstown State. Um, he worked out at the Miami of Ohio um, Pro Day and, you know, 6'5", 256, just a really good workout, looked really smooth from what I could see, uh, some of the clips that were out there. He, he's a player that, I, that, you know, I've moved into my top 30 and uh, tight top 30 tight ends. And um, I think it's a shot to be get drafted late, you know, one of the small school guys. I moved him up to, I believe, 20. Uh, he's in my top 25, I believe, for sure at this point. Uh, I had actually moved him up a good little bit. Um, I moved 21. He's tied in 21 for me now. Uh, I had actually moved him up a bit after the Hula Bowl. I thought he was the best player that I watched uh, in that game, um, you know, from from the game footage there. So I've uh, – I became a fan of, of his after that. So, yeah, I like that, Andrew Ogletree. Uh, one that just popped off, a name that popped off to me uh, was Western Michigan center Wesley French. Had nothing on this guy. Know who he was. See his numbers. Uh, he basically has a 9.57 RAS after his testing. Uh, initially, the 20 yard shuttle was reported wrong. They had it at a 426, and when it was a 462, and I'm like, and I may have, I think I messaged you in our Slack chat. I'm like, there's no way the center from Western Michigan had a faster 20 shuttle than Sky Moore, right? Because Sky Moore's uh, shuttle was 427, and I'm like, that just can't be right. It ends up not being, <laughs> but still, I mean, that's a pretty good time for a man, uh, uh, for a 6'5, 303 pound, uh, center guard uh, from Western Michigan. I mean, that's the kind of stuff right there that gets you in that, uh, you know, seventh round priority free agent when you basically weren't even a name uh, before that. He was at the CGS uh, College Gridiron Showcase uh, for anybody that doesn't know what that means. But um, he's, yeah, so he got his name out there this week. Wesley French, center from Western Michigan. Yeah, it, but like I, I, I don't know. I've seen some crazy, weird things happen, so I, I didn't want to say no. But, <laughs> but uh, still, still pretty good. That's interesting. Um, last pro day note. 
and then we'll leave the rest of it for your uh, article that's coming out uh, tomorrow morning at draftcountdown.com. Uh, you told me I couldn't play taps, Shane. You know, I had it all queued up and ready to go. But it's uh, it's time we pour one out for the uh, draft status of my man Jalen Foster, the safety from South Carolina. Shane, you've been putting up, you've been pouring ice ice cold water on me all season long, and I didn't want to believe it. But uh, at South Carolina's pro day uh, earlier this week, uh, Foster weighs in at 5'9", 185. Not great. Uh, runs a 4.5540, but only a 32 and a half inch vertical and a 904 broad jump. That's the only uh, numbers he posts. That is good enough for a 0. 0.89 Raz. Um, good luck getting into a camp, Jalen, I guess, because you're not getting drafted now. I'm sorry, buddy. Now, nah, look, you, you got you got the Jelani Woods love, and then Jalen Foster went the other way on you. So he, he, he sure did. He sure did. All right. Uh, all right, Shane, let's uh, let's let's wrap it up tonight. Get some Twitter. Do we have any Twitter uh, questions here? Well, I don't think we got any Twitter questions. So it, it kind of worked we, out. We didn't get any questions. Yeah, uh, we did have one in the chat. I feel like this is a fantasy question and not a draft question. Uh, Brad, you also Rashad White or James Cook for a mid late first. I assume this is some sort of dynasty or Debbie question because yeah, there's no got, way this is that. We, we got to get you in a dynasty league here, Brian. You know the rookies. They might as well get in <laughs> one of these. Um, look, I think Rashad White can go day two of the NFL draft. If so, I think he is a, a late first round pick uh, in rookie drafts. And James Cook, may, maybe not so much, but I, um, I think he could go round three in the NFL draft and thus becomes maybe a value in the early second round, mid second round. So uh, I don't know. And I don't know who the other white is. Maybe Zamir. I think he has a shot at day two of the NFL draft too. So um, running backs always get propped up, especially with good situations. All right. There you go. Yeah. Keep, keep, keep on needling that. Get, get me in that league. I'm saying, Oh, maybe, maybe one day. I'll get you one. I'll get you one soon. Uh, final thoughts, Shane, on what has been, uh, I, I mean, it's got to be done, right? We, we can't have any more craziness, right? I don't want to speak out of turn or say that out loud because we may have another week of just craziness. But this has got to be one of the wildest off seasons that I can ever remember in the NFL. It really has. I mean, it's dominated the news. I think it's pretty much done but i didn't see tyree kill coming so you still have the draft we still got lots of things that can shake out but i, I think the trading i think we're actually gonna see less trading in the draft player wise because we're, we're kind of good here um but uh you know pro days are happening we get into full full draft season here um it feels like we're we're getting close to the nfl draft yeah uh so you got that pro day uh kind of piece coming out tomorrow, recapping all the pro days. Uh, well, not all of them, but, you know, hitting the high points from everything from the first pro day to yesterday. And then I'll have one coming up in a couple of weeks uh, that'll hit it from today to basically the conclusion. And we'll, uh, we'll hit those high points uh, on that. I've got a few more team mock drafts coming out over the next couple of days, had a Browns one today and a Chargers one today. Um, 
So you can go check those out at draftcount.com. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube and you just kind of stumbled across us rambling tonight, uh, go ahead and hit that subscribe button over there and uh, hit the notification bell so you get notified when we go live, especially like for us said earlier, when we go live on our uh, NFL draft coverage uh, starting on April 28th. Uh, if you subscribe to us on iTunes or uh, Spotify, if you don't, go ahead and do that or wherever else you get your podcast and leave us a five star review. Get those, get that circulating up. And uh, Shane, before we leave, I must say, I, I got to give a huge thank you uh, out there to all of our readers. As the last couple of days at Draft Countdown since we relaunched in August have just been huge, huge numbers uh, at the site the last uh, two to three days. And uh, so thanks to everybody who's been out there reading it. Okay. All right. So that's going to do it. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Deep Fried Draft. Follow Shane on Twitter at Shane P. Howell. Follow Draft Countdown on Twitter at Draft Countdown. Until next week, everybody. Good night.